Liverpool, January 1931. Fog, the worst for a generation, had set the city brooding in the first raw week of the year. For three days and nights, shipping on the river was at a standstill. Men from the docks, the sheds and wharves huddled in dockside pubs and wondered when the fog would lift and whether there would be money at the end of the week. At last, on the Wednesday, the weather cleared, and one by one the ships that had fretted impatiently on each sluggish tide were eased from their berths and put to sea. Ten days passed, and the evening mists that had lingered over Liverpool were swept away by fierce gales. But these were short-lived, and a wintry weekend gave way to a Monday morning that shivered in persistent sleet. By afternoon, the sleet had turned to drizzle. Dusk, and finally nightfall. Monday the 19th of January, 7.15pm. In the Anfield district of the city, a man pulled open the door of a telephone kiosk and stepped inside. Lifting the receiver, he asked the operator to connect him with Bank 3581, the telephone number of a cafe in central Liverpool, some four miles distant, the meeting place of the Central Chess Club. At the exchange, operator Louisa Alfreds connected the call and heard a voice answer at the distant number. A moment or two later, the girl sitting alongside her, Lillian Kelly, took a second call from the man in the kiosk, Anfield 1627. Again, he asked for Bank 3581. Operator, he explained, I've pressed button A, but have not had my correspondent yet. It scarcely seemed important at the time, but later, in evidence, Miss Kelly was asked to describe the voice she heard. What kind of voice was it? Quite an ordinary voice. Lillian Kelly muttered something to her friend, Louisa Alfreds. She could see from a light on the switchboard in front of her that the man at Anfield 1627 had pressed not button A, which would have completed the connection, but button B, which would have aborted the call and returned the man's money. Miss Kelly turned and spoke to the exchange supervisor, Annie Robertson. She scribbled the two numbers on a slip of paper, noted the time, it was now twenty past seven, and in the margin marked NR, no reply. Then Annie Robertson dialed the number herself. It rang for a moment, then a woman's voice came on the line. Hello, City Cafe. Are you Bank 3581? Yes. Anfield calling you. Hold the line. Annie Robertson pressed the headset to Lillian Kelly. At the City Café in central Liverpool, waitress Gladys Harley listened as the line crackled. Eventually, she spoke again. Do you require this number? Slightly vexed, Lillian Kelly now told the man in the kiosk, Insert two pennies, caller. Two clicks. Then the man spoke once more. Is that the Central Chess Club? Yes. Is Mr Wallace there? Gladys Harley, standing in the telephone booth at the foot of the stairs leading from the basement cafe to North John Street, turned and glanced through the glass door. I don't know, she said. I'll just see. Still holding the receiver, she pushed open the door and looked across the room. The cafe was almost empty, but Samuel Beatty, captain of the chess club, which met there twice a week, was sitting at one of the tables, playing a game with a man called Days. Mr Beatty, someone's on the phone for Mr Wallace. Beatty looked up. Well, he's not here yet, 
but he's down to play a game, so he should be along later. Will you speak to this man? Beatty frowned. He was enjoying his game. I suppose I better had. He strode across and took the receiver. Samuel Beatty, club captain here, may I help you? Several weeks later, in court, Beatty would recall the voice he heard. What sort of a voice? A strong voice, a rather gruff voice. Is Mr. Wallace there? No, I'm afraid not. But he will be there. I can't say, said Beatty. He may or may not. If he is coming, he'll be here shortly. I suggest you ring up later. Oh, no, I can't. The voice at the end of the line was insistent. I'm too busy. I have my girl's 21st birthday on, and I want to do something for her in the way of his business. I want to see him particularly. A momentary pause. Then the man continued. Will you ask him to call round to my place tomorrow evening at 7.30? I will if I see him, said Beatty, but he may not be here tonight. You'd better give me your name and address so that I can pass it on.